Welcome to the Indiana High School Hoops Podcast with Dennison and May. Join hosts Matt Dennison and Chris May as they chat with coaches, players, and key figures from Indiana's prep basketball scene. And hello, welcome in another edition of the podcast. We have another great guest today. It's Jason Delaney of Indianapolis Cathedral. That's his most recent stop as he enters year five at Cathedral, but uh, a state championship coach. He's won a couple state titles. He's got some great experiences. And Chris, another fun coach to talk to here in the Hoosier State. Yeah, I think, uh, again, a learning opportunity. If you're not familiar with this story, a lot of different angles. And, uh, and again, I, this is no surprise, and if you've listened to these podcasts, you, you sense this pattern, but uh, just the amount of influences and uh, mentors that, uh, uh, that, that go into <laughs> breeding the next generation of successful coaches. Jason's got some, some Hall of Famers and some great classic Indiana high school basketball coaches' names that he's going to bring up here and talk about uh, in his background. And then his, his story itself is, is fascinating. Uh, you know, if you only know him as most recently the, the cathedral coach and, and, and maybe the tech years with Trey Lyles and C.J. Walker and the state championship that they uh, won with the Tech Titans, uh, you know, his first job is, is a, <laughs> a story or maybe a book or a movie all into itself. Uh, Waldron were undefeated state champions, his only season as the head coach there, a, a season that joined the the school and the program uh after the school year had begun and so you got a wide variety of experiences stories success and you're going to pick up to that you know Jason's a really he's first of all he's a high energy guy and uh, also he's a really motivated a driven uh blue collar hard worker kind of guy and uh he's he's had some teams that have had some success that have paid off for him so another great and interesting uh, conversation that I hope everybody's going to enjoy yeah absolutely looking forward to this one again Jason Delaney the coach of Indianapolis Cathedral, fifth year at Cathedral already, 17th year overall as a head coach in our state, and two state championships, one at Waldron and, of course, the other at Indianapolis Tech. Chris, uh, the season set to begin. We'll chat uh, about some of this with Coach Delaney, but as we record this, it's the week of Thanksgiving, so we wish happy Thanksgiving to all the coaches and listeners of this podcast in our state. But it's also a week where I think uh, everyone that's involved with the game in our state's a little uneasy about how all this exactly is going to unfold here as we begin playing boys' basketball games. Yeah, I think uncertainty will probably end up being the word of the season, unfortunately, for a lot of us diehards and fans. Um, you know, it, the boys' season technically starts, you know, t- tonight, uh, this week, and already there have been a number of, of postponements, cancellations, and, and some whispers of other, <laughs> you know, the dominoes haven't all fallen yet. And so, um, you know, I, I feel for these kids, I feel for these coaches. Obviously, they had a, a, a season that was shortened. Last season, if if they were sectional champions, they didn't get to complete that tournament. Obviously, the summer was was quite unique and interesting and, and challenging for high school basketball players and coaches. And so, I just hope that we are able to get some semblance of a season together, and that uh, especially you know for the kids that are seniors this year, that they uh, get to finish out their high school career on a on an up note and and with games being played. But yeah, I think I think stay tuned and to be determined <laughs> are uh, kind of the words of this season, and uh, hopefully we get some good games and good competition in. Absolutely. Got our fingers crossed. I know I do. We all do for 
uh, the coaches and players in our state this season. All right, a couple quick reminders before we get you to our chat with Coach Delaney. Thanks to the IBCA, the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. They help us share this podcast, uh, everything they do for our state and coaches and the game all first class and all great. And also, don't forget to subscribe. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcast and really any place you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for Indiana High School Hoops Podcast with Denison and May. Click the subscribe button. It's free. You can get every episode as it comes out. And we look forward as we continue this, even during the season. Uh, we don't want to bug the coaches too much, but we're going to continue our chats with coaches. We have so many great ones to talk to. So obviously, that's still ahead as well. Let's get right to it. Jason Delaney of Indianapolis Cathedral joins us now on the Indiana High School Hoops podcast with Denison and May. The Indiana High School Hoops podcast with Denison and May. With today's guest, here are your hosts, Matt Denison and Chris May. And welcome in another edition of the podcast, Matt Dennison and Chris May with you. And today we go to Indianapolis Cathedral to talk with Jason Delaney. He enters his fifth year as the head coach at Cathedral, but no stranger, even as a young guy to Indiana high school basketball, this is year number 17 for him as a head coach. And we look forward to hearing coach Delaney's background and story and talking a little bit, a bit about his fighting Irish team for this season, which as we record this, is just about ready to get underway. Coach Delaney, first off, thanks so much for taking time out to join us and being with us, even as the season is running concurrently. Well, gentlemen, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, and just just an honor to, to be able to talk about Indiana basketball and you know Cathedral and some other things. Coach, we always start with backgrounds of guys. Uh, I know you uh, grew up up in Tippecanoe County in Lafayette. So uh, give us your background, not only on where you went to school and what your uh, uh, boyhood basketball experiences were, but but then, of course, the introduction into Indiana high school basketball. What got you hooked? Well, I mean, from uh, being a young boy, it was kind of crazy. I'm from Lafayette, Indiana. My mom and dad were diehard IU fans. Um, my dad loved Bobby Knight, and I was a diehard Purdue fan. So you can imagine what those games were like uh, back you know, back in the day. And so, you know, just had that love from the beginning. And, you know, I've been blessed to grow up around some great coaches. Um, I grew up in the McCutcheon uh, system. So every year going to watch uh, McCutcheon games and going through Rick Peckinpah's uh, Little Mavs camps and, and leagues. And so that's that really got me hooked going every Friday and Saturday night to watch some of the, the, the high school guys in, in my eyes at the time. They were the Michael Jordan, the Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thompson. I'm kind of dating myself here. But, you know, like those were the guys that you looked up to. And I can remember, you know, just getting a chance to meet some of those guys was so impressive to me. And so then, you know, I, I wanted to be a head coach in the state of Indiana since I was a little kid. And then finally, uh, my junior year, I transferred to Lafayette Central Catholic, where I was around another great coacher, coach, uh, and that was Dave Warland and learned a lot from him um, on just relationships and, you know, getting the most out of guys and um, being able to compete even smaller schools. Back then it was single class, and I remember playing in the sectional championship as a junior, and then as a senior we, we lost to Harrison. But and, and, and then going to Ball State University and wanting to get into coaching, 
from a little boy, I tell people all the time, I'm living my dream each and every day because I get a chance to coach Indiana high school basketball and be around some of the top talent uh, through AAU and coaching in high school. It's just I, I live a very blessed uh, career life. And Coach Delaney, you kind of mentioned some of your background in Lafayette. I think it's very interesting, uh, the IU-Purdue family connections. And obviously you talk about Rick Peck and Paul, just some of the names you've already mentioned uh, in our state. Uh, explain maybe some of the good tutelage you got at a young age. But let's go through your high school years specifically. Tell us about those. You as a player, what were you like as a player? Uh, where did you go to high school? Who was your coach there? And uh, some of those moments as well that probably helped further your love for the game. Yeah, you know, you know, at McCutcheon, again, being around Rick Peck and Paul, who, you know, it, it was pretty cool to get to coach against him when I was at Tech. Um, of course, I mean, they got us in the in the North Central Conference Championship with Rob Fennessy, but that was an honor just to coach against him, you know, the, the guy you grew up with. And, and, you know, so growing up at McCutcheon, learned a lot of things there. And then when I got to Lafayette Central Catholic, Dan Moeller was a senior who's now the head coach at Illinois State. And being around him and, you know, back then that single class, we was at Lafayette Jeff and, you know, you'd have sold out club crowds and just that amazing atmosphere of the little team trying to upset the big teams. I remember my senior year, we ranked number 12 in the state of Indiana. There was only one poll back then, top 20, and we had beaten Lafayette Harrison and, and Benton Central and some teams that were really, really good back then. And I remember single class being ranked and, um, just unfortunately it came to an end uh, at Jeff against Lafayette Harrison. So, Coach, um, I, I know a big deal in Lafayette uh, as you're wrapping up your career at Lafayette Central Catholic. The Lafayette LCC, Lafayette Jeff, and you've mentioned some of the other schools that had really good basketball. Uh, I mean, were there any other rivalries or other games, whether you played in them or you watched them as a kid, any, any names, any players, schools, coaches, anything else to tie in as far as your childhood memories in that area? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, being a Lafayette Central Catholic, McCutcheon was a huge rival. Uh, Chad Peckinpah was one of my good friends. And even, strange story, I have two twin adopted brothers, same age. We were best friends, and, and my parents adopted them um, when we were going into high school. And so when I transferred to Lafayette Central Catholic, uh, my two brothers stayed at McCutcheon. And so I actually played against one of my brothers uh, on that McCutcheon team. Um, so that was kind of a unique thing. And then... You know, Lafayette Jeff during that time, uh, Harris's and, and some really, really good players. David Wood was coming into West Lafayette as a head coach who's still there and a legend there. Um, just, you know, great Indiana basketball. I remember going to the Hall of Fame. Coach Worland took us our senior year, and I can still remember that championship game between Kevin Alt's Warsaw team and the Ben Davis team with Courtney James and D Damon Frierson uh, and James Patterson. I remember Warsaw upsetting them. Um, in that Hall of Fame Classic Championship game, you know, and and that again that drove me to want to participate at one point in my career when I was a head coach in the Hall of Fame Classic because it was the premier and still is the premier, you know, holiday classic. Like you, you dream of being in these things. You dream of being, you know, standing on uh, the podium, you know, with a state championship or cutting down the nets in the sectional championship. Like those things drive you further down the road when you become a coach because you've watched them growing up and they've meant so much to you those memories that you want to achieve them yourself and you want you want the kids you're coaching to achieve them you want them to have those same memories looking back with the same fondness that you did 
Coach Delania, lots of coaching that, that you've been a part of, lots of teams to talk about. But before we get that far, uh, from going from high school to college, uh, and I guess we need to talk about college, any experiences in basketball with college, and then beyond that, where did you kind of get your first opportunity to be on a staff and to go from a player that loved the game and loved Indiana high school basketball and following great coaches in our state at the time like Bobby Knight and Gene Cady to actually being a young assistant coach helping out someone else? What, what was that first opportunity? So uh, I had a couple opportunities to go play at smaller schools. Uh, I could shoot the ball really well in high school defense. Not so much my thing. But I, I love to shoot the ball. Uh, and now I'm yelling at kids to play defense all the time. But uh, kind of ironic there. But the, the, the interesting thing is, is I, just, I wanted to get into coaching. So I went to Ball State University because I knew to be a coach. Chad Dunwoody was one of our assistant coaches at Lafayette Central Catholic. And I looked up to him. He was a young college guy. And he actually – after my senior year, Dave Warland retired. I don't know if we drove him out or if that's the timing that he wanted to do. But uh, Chad uh, done what he took over and did an absolutely fantastic job with Lafayette Central Catholic. Uh, you know, multiple state championships there. But I knew I wanted to get into coaching. So went to Ball State and started calling around to the different high schools. And Terry Thimler at Muncie Central High School gave me, gave me my first opportunity. I got to coach. Um, the freshman team, um, and, and coached along with Kirk Ammon. And I kind of got the B team at that time, you know, a young guy breaking into it, but it was going to be the best B team that we could be. So they had at the time a full slate of games as well. I coached it for two years. We went undefeated for two years. Um, and then went to Muncie Burris, uh, with, uh, Brian Carr, who is one of my coaching mentors, Brian, uh, that's how I learned, uh, how to to really deal with players, like how to make them feel special, guys in different roles, and and just you know kind of the relationship part of coaching. And Brian is a Hall of Famer at Nebraska, uh, and you never know it. Um, during that time too, he was really really good friends because he was college teammates with Jeff Reckaway, who won a national championship at St. Francis uh, University, and then just uh, retired from Northwood uh, last year. And so Brian was in my wedding. Um, and just really getting to learn. He gave me control of the offense, and that's where I started to grow as a coach. And then uh, I had to do – I was there for three years and then had to go to Broad Ripple to do my um, student teaching. And so during that time, I met with uh, Bill Smith and Doug Mitchell, both, I mean, legends in the state of Indiana. Uh, Doug Mitchell uh, was great to talk to, offered me a JV position, um, but – Bill Smith offered me a varsity assistant job, and I was going to be there anyway. And so I got to work with Coach Smith. And the, th the details that I learned from working with Bill Smith uh, was amazing. Things that I still preach and talk about today. And George Hill was there at that time, so it was kind of my job to follow George around as a sophomore, making sure he was doing everything he was supposed to do. And George, great work ethic um, and just a great kid. And so, you know, Bill Smith and I formed a, a huge relationship. And when my father passed away that following year, uh, Bill Smith was one of the first people there. And uh, also, it was really cool after Waldron, uh, he brought, he asked me to come in and speak to his class. But what it was when I walked in, he had his whole class applaud and everything. And how he made me feel was really cool because here's Bill Smith. And I remember on bus rides, 
asking him about that 1980 state championship that he won. And, you know, he would show the film of Stacey Turan hitting that three-quarter shot in the morning game to send him to the state championship. But for a Hall of Fame coach, for a coach that, you know, had won a state championship to do that for me and a young guy meant a world to me. And it was really cool that uh, after we won the state championship at Tech, he had a voicemail for me. And I still say that today because, unfortunately, Coach passed away a few years ago. But I still have that voicemail now. You know, it's incredible, Coach, the names you've already mentioned, and we haven't even scratched your head coaching career yet. Um, you know, a common theme throughout all these uh, podcasts we've done are are the coaching mentors, the coaching influences, and, and man, you've already given us some some great ones with some great experience. Um, you know, I'm interested in hearing you tell these stories and mention all these names. Uh, how did you set off on this path? You told us as a kid you wanted to be a high school coach. Um, was teaching in your family's background? Was uh, was there a certain coach that really? you know, sparked that interest in you? How did that idea first hit your head? I'll be honest with you. My, uh, neither of my parents went to college. You know, back then, you, you kind of went from high school to work. And my dad was a factory worker um, for 20-some years. And my mom, you know, worked in uh, new home sales. She worked in the business office. You know, I had that love of basketball because I'd watched IU basketball with my dad. He loved the Boston Celtics, loved Larry Bird. My mom loved the Detroit Pistons, and I loved Michael Jordan. Um, so we kind of had, you know, the Midwest or, you know, theme going on there. But <laughs> for me, I, I learned it through, through my father, uh, work ethic. And I'll tell you, I, I had a dream, and I watched how hard he worked all the time, and it kind of become the theme for me. And so I, I was going to work to get to where I wanted to go. So when I got to, to college, and got my first opportunity, I wasn't going to waste that opportunity. You know, I didn't go home for breaks, even though I was working for free. So I was an assistant, worked my way up for seven years, and probably out of those seven years, at least four to five of them was unpaid. But I didn't care about it because I had a dream, and I was going to work for it, and that's what I learned at home, is that you work for for the things that you value. And I would go, you know, I'd work Gene Cady's camps. I'd go up there during the summer and work those camps and work them as hard as I could, try to make some connections. Uh, even when UConn won their first uh, national championship with Richard Hamilton and Khalid Alamine, I paid for my own flight. I went out and worked at UConn camp. And being able to sit down with Richard Moore, who's uh, back as one of the assistants there, uh, Jim Calhoun, wasn't, you couldn't really approach him, but uh, just being able to be there was really cool and learn some things. I'd never been to the East Coast before, and I still have a notebook full of things that – Richard Moore, who was the assistant there, sat down with us and just, you know, he just talked basketball, and I jot down a bunch of notes from it. And, but I was determined that I was going to get to where I wanted to go, but it was going to be through work ethic. And it's kind of the same thing we preach to our players today, is you've got to work. And sometimes success is not going to happen right away. Like I said, it took me seven years, and those were probably the best seven years of my life because I had to learn what – working my way up, and I was able to take in things as a sponge and learn from some great people. I didn't know everything, and so I still don't know everything. I'm still trying to learn and take in from people. But I think just you asked where I got it from. It was from my father, just learning that work ethic and, and going for your dreams. So that, I guess that's where it came from. Coach Delaney, great uh, great stuff. I'm, I'm really excited now after what you've told us so far, already good, to talk about your years as a head coach. And 
I, I remember being at the state championship game back in 2004 when your Waldron team had that great run through the state tournament that ended with the state championship. But I didn't know until more recently that you didn't have that job with a lot of time to prepare. Uh, you got that job pretty late in the game uh, before the school year started. So before we even talk about a state championship effort that year, I'd like to talk about the transition from assistant coach to head coach and how that first opportunity to have your own group came together. <laughs> well, uh, that's interesting. I was uh, So my first teaching job was at Muncie Burris. And we went to the regional, and we lost uh, to to Bluffton. And so um, I decided that you know I was going to take a leap of faith. And so I, I didn't go back as a teacher. I don't know, know what I was thinking about, but I, I I didn't have that job at the time. And so I had interviewed for Morristown's head job, and went before the board and everything. And and they went a different direction with, with uh, Scott McClellan, who has done a wonderful job there. But I remember them saying, hey, Lance Parker, uh, just keep, keep your head up, who was the principal there. And so the middle of September, Waldron opens up. And so I go back in front of the same school board, everything, and I get off of the job. So I, I go into uh, the cafeteria in the middle of September and start meeting the players. They had gone 10-12 and 12 the year before and lost in the sectional championship to Southwestern. And so the first thing we were going to do is learn work ethic and, and you know, what it takes to be a champion. They have the Barnard twins. And my wife is actually from Shelbyville, and she's the one that supported me all during that time, you know, just keeping me positive when I didn't have a job. And, um, and so she had actually grown up there, babysat the Barnards when she was younger, and so that was kind of interesting there. And so getting in there, the first thing we had to establish was that work ethic. I remember being on the track, running a lot, trying to get them in condition because we were going to play up-tempo and, and play a faster game. But I'll tell you, you know, we had seven seniors on that group, and the Barner twins are probably the most competitive players I've ever been around because they didn't care what it was, practice, I mean, you know, chess or whatever. They were going to play to win. And that's one thing I always respected out of them was because how competitive and how the drive that they had to win. So, I mean, Coach, you're explaining you get in here in the middle of September and you're introducing yourself to, to these kids, and you fast forward. Um, how 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 do you explain to people how that happens? As you said, ten and twelve the year before, and then you end up twenty seven and zero in Class One A champions. Uh, I mean, how how do you put into words what transpired over the course of the, those winter months? They believed. They believed in a twenty six year old guy who came in there and, and came in there kind of you know with a foot in their behind. To be honest, I I, I tell this story because it's kind of funny. I don't think they thought it was funny, and I sure didn't think it was funny at the time. But I can remember one day after school, we had basketball workouts, and um, one of the custodians come in, and I'm walking into the gym. You could smell, like, rubber burning. And one of the, the custodians said, a couple of your basketball players are out there burning rubber. Like, uh, again, it's a, country, it's a country school, and so they're out there. And so I remember when they got in there, we went to the small gym upstairs, and for an hour straight, we ran. I mean, sprint after sprint, and with me, you know, uh, giving lectures. But I remember one of the things I said towards the end was, you have the potential to be state champions, but this is not going to do it. 
And so quit wasting that potential and let's be state champions. And we ran a little bit more. But the funny thing is we scrimmage try high in our scrimmage. And I remember we didn't do great. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are we even going to win a game? And so we opened up with Brown County. We won, uh, which was a 3A school. We came back in the fourth quarter and won. And so that was the first um, first win that we got. And also, you know, people people ask me about the jacket. Well, it, it, from that very first game, it was the first dead ball. I'm wearing a suit jacket. I can't stand being constricted. And so when that first dead ball happened, I just happened to take off the jacket and put it on the seat. Well, every game, uh, you know, you win. And so now you kind of keep with that theme. So every time, every game after that, first dead ball was when the jacket would come off. So <laughs> that's kind of where that And that's become a calling card for you now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and this year I think we're going to go with some polos and some other things, especially with the mask on. So I don't know what I'm going to do. So. <laughs> Take something off, I guess. I'm curious. I want to stay with Waldron here for just a minute. I think this is a really good story. At what point as a first-year head coach, as a young guy that's trying to get this group of of student-athletes to believe in you as well, at what point did you realize, and maybe it was this incident where you caught them burning rubber and you had to run sprints, but at what point did you realize that this team's pretty doggone good Maybe they could win a state championship, and maybe we're good enough to go undefeated. Did all of that ever cross your mind? I'm sure at some point you thought, we're good enough to win a state title at this class. Yeah, I I mean, I think it just started kind of started rolling. There were some games that were close that we were able to pull out. Um, And so, you know, it just kind of started to snowball. And the funny thing is the Barnards were, were so superstitious so they wouldn't cut their hair. So by the end of the season, like they have really long hair. They had like, you know, short hair to begin the season. By the end, it's, it's pretty long. But there was also a scene from Remember the Titans when they're talking about going undefeated. And so back then, you didn't have all the things that you had now. So there was a portable TV that made every trip with us. It was it would be in our home locker room and when we were on the road, we had to watch this clip before every game. And so, I mean, all the way to the state championship, this little portable TV is coming with us so we can watch that one part of of that movie, Remember the Titans. But I think, you know, kind of we went through Shelby County, won that for the first time in a while, and then we played New Pal, who was ranked, and they were 3A, and we won on a, on a buzzer beater. And that was kind of the point where, hey, I think we can do this thing. And it just kept going. Uh, I'll tell you, during this during this um, the run – um, in the regional championship, we were playing Henryville. And that morning, Shane Matthews had gone off for 40-some points, and they won big time. And we were kind of like, you know, they left him in so he could get the record. Hopefully he's worn down a little bit. And they had us. I mean, we were down two with a minute some to go. And, you know, no shot clock or anything. They can kind of stall. But I remember he pulled a long three and he missed it, and we got the rebound, and we got out on a break and threw it up and scored. Now it's tied, and we end up winning that game. Um, that one, and then in the semi-state, that, that great battle with A.J. Graves and White River Valley in front of all those fans, that, that was another one. That, once we got past that, um, you know, that, there were some big wins right there. Coach, you already mentioned the superstition with uh, taking off your sport coat at the first dead ball. Um, so again, a first year head coach <laughs> jumping into that, that job so late in the, in the year, so to speak. Um, 
as the wins continue and the season moves on, did you feel pressure? Did uh, did, did I mean what's going through your head as a 26 year old coach with a group knowing what's building? Opportunity. I, 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 you know, I preach this to our tech kids. I preach it, I guess, now still is, you know, when you feel that pressure, that means there's an opportunity. And I talk to our players all the time about opportunity. Uh, opportunities don't always present themselves. And when they do, you've got to take advantage of them. And the, the people who take advantage of opportunities are usually the ones that, that everyone remembers. And so, you know, that, that pressure to win presented an opportunity. Like, here's a chance to do something me personally that I've dreamed of since I was a little kid. And for these kids, they believed in me. And again, the Barnards were the two of them. And and I have that fire. Like, you know, when you see Michael Jordan, like on that last dance with that fire, which is a little bit different. Some people don't understand, like the Barnards and I, like I've I've met somebody that kind of had that fire um, because this is something we work at all the time. Like, I'm coaching, helping coach my son's fifth grade team now too, because I just this is what I do, and so I saw that in them and this other the seniors, like everybody did their role, and so you started to you started to see everyone believe and everyone was willing to sacrifice for other people because we all had that same common goal, and so for me it was it was not so much pressure, it was opportunity to finally to achieve something that we dreamed of. Uh, since I had been a little kid. And so we wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. Coach Delaney, I want to talk about uh, your coaching time after Waldron. Of course, now you're at Indianapolis Cathedral. We've got a handful of stops to cover in between. Sure. Uh, but Southport was next, and that was a program at that time, especially back in, I guess, 05 or so, really needed a lot of love and had not seen much success for some time. Just briefly, I know I want to cover your various stops. Talk about your time at Southport and what your goals were there and how that opportunity worked out after the state championship for you at Waldron. You know, that's one that brought me, brought me back to reality. Um, you know, you go there, we win the first game. We had a really, really good player on that team, and unfortunately, just attitude-wise, you know, I still say probably the most talented player, I, one of the most talented players I've coached. Um, and, and unfortunately, that changes your dynamic when you get rid of a player like that. Um, but we were just trying to, I mean, honestly, get to a 500. We were able, you know, year four to get to a winning record. Um, that honestly was the first one until they did it. it. It stood for like 18 years. First, I mean, 18 years hadn't had a winning season until Kyle Simpson and then did it a few years ago uh, when they went to the, the semi-state. But it, it was a different mentality. Uh, you didn't have that mentality that you had at Waldron. Um, and, and, but, you know, there were some great kids along the way there. Uh, Corey Wickware was a great kid to coach. He goes on to play division one basketball, uh, Eric Kleinfelter, who, who was there. And, and, you know, the first couple of years we were playing freshmen and sophomores for the most part, uh, trying to, to build that young, but Eric Kleinfelter, you know, ends up being a longtime assistant for me. Um, he, he was an assistant with me, uh, when I went to Washington and then went to tech with me. And we won a state championship there, and that was a, that was an awesome thing to win a state championship with one of your former players. And then, you know, he really spearheaded and had to coach the regional games uh, for Christmas Addicts when when Coach Hawkins was in the hospital, and he won the state championship there. And you know, came to Cathedral for a year, and then decided to with his family and decided to retire. And 
Um, but, you know, there were some positives out of there, too. You said a, a step back into reality. Um, yeah. We didn't quite hit the Waldron celebrations, but I'm imagining in a town, a community, in the country like that, uh, to be undefeated state champions is, is quite a celebration. And then, like you said, you get into the grind of, of Marion County basketball. Um, you know, there, there's there's got to be a bit of a, a transition and an, and an adjustment for you as a coach. Oh, I mean, definitely. You know, and, and I interviewed for a couple other jobs. I mean, you know, Waldron, um, for the most part, people understood. But also, like, if you go undefeated, there's only one way to go. You know, like, you're not going to go <laughs> up anymore. There's only one way to go. And the opportunity as well to get closer to Indianapolis. But the celebration was amazing. Uh, you know, we were driving in a stretch uh, Hummer after that celebration. But also, the last thing with Waldron, I can remember we have a, a – gym full of 3,000 people out there waiting to celebrate and we're standing in the in the locker room and all of us are just bawling like babies in Waldron you know the players the coaches because the saddest thing about it was it was over and we have to go out there and speak I mean you know during that run I mean honestly people asked us to cut mohawks in their hair like people <laughs> women children like we're cutting mohawks and on people which is crazy but um but, you know, you, you know, again, with, when you get to Southport, you know, it is reality. It, it is Marion County basketball. When you're facing, you know, Warren Central and LN and you're facing all these teams, you know, you're, you're getting back to reality, and you've got to have some players, to be honest, to compete in Marion County. And so one of the things, you know, one of the real bright spots for me at Southport is meeting Bill Springer. Bill Springer became a big mentor for me, you know, just him sitting down talking to me. And even during – tech he'd come over to tech and and sit there and talk to me at times about different things and and so you know there's another coach hall of fame coach that, that i got to to learn from and i think that's one thing i don't always see with the younger coaches these days is that um meekness to want to learn and i think that's that's one of the things that can really help you is when you just sit down and just listen to some of the guys who have been there and, and done some of the things that you that you want to achieve, and you can just learn from them. And but Bill Bill Springer was a big one for me. Coach Delaney, there was a stop uh, after Southport at Anderson Highland for a year. Then that school shuttered. Indianapolis, you got back to the city with Indianapolis Washington for a season, and then a, another big opportunity for you. Indianapolis Tech came open. You mentioned the state championship which came during season three for you at Tech. Uh, but take us to that Tech job and, again, how that came about and maybe how you got your feet under you as a head coach at a really historic program and one that, uh, as you took the job, there was really, I think, a push to see that become a great sports school for IPS schools. Yeah, I mean, so go to Anderson Highland, real quick story there. They decide in the middle of December they're going to close the school. And so you're in the middle of the season, and you know it's over. And Brogan Gary, who uh, Greg Gary's his uncle, who's the head coach at Mercer, uh, had been an assistant at Purdue. He's a freshman for us, and uh, we, you know they decided to close the school. The next night we played Anderson, and we have, I mean, the place is sold out, and to the to the point that we actually there's there's glass windows in that gym, and there were people standing outside watching the game, and it's like freezing cold outside but they stood outside the whole game to watch the game and we we upset anderson so that was a pretty cool experience there then we go to washington 
And I'll be honest with you, Washington was not a powerhouse, not like it was in the 90s. Uh, it was me, Eric Kleinfelter, and Jamal Smith as one of the assistants, and we're looking at each other like, what did we get ourselves into here? <laughs> but, <laughs> but we end up, you know, we start 0-5, and then we play Heritage Christian with Basil Smotherman, and Matt Painter's there that night, and we end up beating him. And they ranked in 2A. We take that team, and we go all the way to the sectional championship, and we have the lead late in the third quarter against Park 2 with Yogi Farrell and Trevon Blewett, and they end up winning it. But, like, we had sat and watched Tech. We had played them in the summer league. We lost by one, and then Trey Lyles was, was a freshman at the time with that Washington team, and we said to ourselves, like, if we had that talent, what could we do with it? What, what could we build there? And so Victor Bush, I had known for a while, um, they chose a different direction at Tech, and so um, interviewed and went through a couple different ones and then got the job. And the craziest thing about Tech, kind of like the Waldron thing, we walk in there and we could only get seven guys to consistently show up that summer. And so Tech was shut down because they were working on, uh, they were doing some renovations. So we had to actually practice it at Washington during that summer. And so about seven guys consistently showing up out of school of 2000. And so, again, not the basis of what you think you're walking into. They had won 17 games in the last three years combined, only one winning season in a decade. So, you know, when people see that tech team, that's not what we walked into. That thing had to be built. And so the way we did it, uh, those seven, Trey Lyles is going into his sophomore year, Jeremy Tyler's going into his sophomore year, Mikey Jones. Uh, came back because um, that's where he wanted to be, and he didn't want to have to cut his hair for the previous coach. Uh, you know, Mike had nice long hair. Um, but we had some seniors, a couple seniors too, Jerome Campbell and uh, Derek Jackson, guys that, who kind of role players, but for us, they filled every need that we had. And so we go and play in the Charlie Hughes Classic um, during the summer, and – uh, I forget who we played the first game, but we won. Uh, and they'd never played in this before, so that was good. You know, we got off to a good start. Then the second game, we had North Central, preseason number one. And so they have Ronnie Johnson, uh, Patrick Ingram. I mean, like, loaded team. And this group of sophomores and a couple seniors, we end up beating them. And for us, like, the, the excitement in those kids, like, now the switch, it, it turned on because they saw that we could do something. So then we play, play Brownsburg, beat them, and we make a run. We lose in the championship to Lawrence Central. No, we, I'm sorry. We lost to Lawrence North uh, in the championship. They had like 15 guys, and we had seven, and we lost. But that, that showed that they could do it. So the first year we go 16-5 and five, uh, at, at uh, Tech. Uh, we lose on a heartbreaker to LC. Jeremy Hollowell uh, hits a floater at the buzzer to beat us. Um, but also I talked about that story. Uh, that was also the night that we got like one of our major pieces that we needed. I'm sitting in the locker room and we're hosting it at tech. So that makes it even worse because, you know, everything's going on and you're the first game on Tuesday night. So it's over. But I remember a knock on the door and, uh, somebody saying, Hey coach, there's a dad out here that'd like to talk to you. And that dad, uh, and we took it, it that dad was CJ Walker's dad. Came in just to talk to him. He was an IPS kid and, you know, promised him the only thing we'd guarantee him is an opportunity. No starting spot. No, you'd come in and work for everything. And that was the thing that sold them, um, is that they wanted a chance to come in and work. 
and C.J. Walker now was a Tech Titan, and that changed a lot of things. Uh, you know, so I remember the next season, <laughs> I came to one of your early games. I, I, it, it, I think it was that Farragut game, actually, uh, your second game of the following season, and there's this kid starting at point guard. And I remember I asked you afterwards, I said, did you have any idea this kid was going to be this good? And, of course, it's C.J. Walker, and, and we all know how important he was to your state championship team and, and the college career that he has uh, he has had. So it's fascinating you would bring him up. Um, so you've described kind of all the pieces coming together that 16 and five season. You've got Trey and Jeremy and Mikey and all those guys that that everybody remembers so well. You add CJ in, and and then you, you really got a couple of years here where you guys are rolling, and and obviously we know it's going to end in the state championship in, in 2014. So, I mean, what's that like as a coach jumping into that situation with some pieces there and and putting the puzzle together, so to speak? Uh, Brad Stevens uh, has a, has a quote that that kind of say time after time uh, pain is part of the process. Uh, 2013 that cut like a knife. Um, we go 21 and, and and five. You know we we get you know again childhood dream. Uh, we get to play in the Hall of Fame Classic. Uh, I, I still remember the call from from Chris May, uh, and so. Uh, to, to, to tell us that we were one of the teams. And so, you know, beating Cathedral, uh, who at the time was a huge rival for us. I mean, you, it was IU, Purdue, Duke, North Carolina. Like, that's how you felt about each other. Um, but, you know, we're, we're rolling along, we feel like. And in that sectional, uh, we, we, we play Lawrence Central. We're up 19 on that Friday night. And there's a loose ball and Trey dives on it. And unfortunately, hurts his knee. But that that section. So we, the next night, we had to play Cathedral for the fourth time that season. And unfortunately, he was unable to go. wasn't able to play for nine more weeks in anything, or even work out for nine more weeks. And Cathedral beats us. Um, and it's hard, you know, at Cathedral now talking about Cathedral's only won one sectional since 1998 when they won the three H state title, and that one sectional is you, like. That, that that still it still burns. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but if Trey Trey plays that game, it could be a different story. But you know, when I say pain is part of the process, we thought that year was our year. And so you know, I remember that night that we lost. Trey's you know, Kyle Neenriff writes a story, and Trey's sitting in a folding chair crying because he couldn't play. And I remember that night, Trey and I going back and forth most of the night talking about, hey, let's build our schedule to be the hardest that we can we can make it. Let's get ready. Let's put us in showcase games. Let's 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 do this. And so there we get Huntington Prep on our schedule, number three in the nation. We get and and to be honest with you, we got Lalamere because I was sick of Lalamere calling Trey and his dad kept trying to get him. So I was like, Trey, let's play him. And so uh <laughs> we we played him and we beat him on New Year's Day. Um we got Park Tudor. Uh we went for every Mr. Basketball candidate so we were able to get Marion in the showcase at John Marshall. Uh, we got Park Tudor in the showcase at our place. Like we went after every Mr. Basketball candidate and every team that we could get on our schedule that would help prepare us um, for that for that sectional. And so we end up. I mean, and, and I'd worked for a year and a half to try to get us on ESPN because you know Trey was a top seven guy in the nation, and he would get an ESPN game. And and so we were originally supposed to play Chicago Curry uh, with Cliff Alexander, who was top five guy. 
and we had played them the year before and beat them by 23. So we had just played uh, Huntington Prep, beat them by three down in Kentucky, and uh, I remember ESPN telling us Chicago Curry's backing out, and this is a week and a half later, and they said the only way we're going to let you on ESPN is if you agree to play Huntington Prep again, and we had just beat them. You know, and that night was amazing beating them. And they had Thomas Bryant, Miles Bridges, Josh Perkins, who started for Gonzaga, um, Jalen Lindsay, who went to Providence. Um, I mean, you, uh, there's tons of guys on that team. And so we play them on ESPN and we beat them. Um, but that run that year was all built from the year before uh, with the pain, with the pain that, that we had to go through. Coach Delaney, great stuff on Tech. Uh, I don't want to ask you to compare and contrast necessarily the state championship seasons from Waldron to Tech, but maybe do talk about how different they were, uh, different schools, different communities, different settings. Each had had a different level of success in their history and more recently before uh, you coached them to a state championship. So maybe from that perspective, uh, talk about the state titles and how they were different, but obviously both uh, will always carry very special memories with you and the other coaches and all the players that were part of those teams. I mean, the Tech one, I had never been around a more determined group of kids. You know, that from a, from that year before his disappointment, like they were determined from the very beginning. Like, so Trey wasn't with us in the summer because he was playing for Canada over in FIBA. So you know he's getting player better playing against grown men. And you start to see a, a change in Trey. He was always the leader by example. Like he just wanted to do the right things and his work ethic. And then but his senior year, it became more vocal. Like he was going to win a state championship. And it, it's crazy because he's going to Kentucky – and, you know, you, you, some of these guys, you know, because I followed a lot of the 2014 guys uh, across the nation, like some of them get to where they want to go college-wise and they kind of let off the gas. That wasn't Trey. Trey was going to win a state title. And then you had CJ, who CJ is probably the greatest leader I've ever been around on and off the court, just fabulous. And then you had Jeremy, who Jeremy wasn't even a junior all-star, but he works his way into an Indiana all-star his senior year. Mikey Jones, best best player I've ever coached in the middle of the zone. You know, you had Rashad Richardson who, who goes on to play at Ball State. Like, you had guys who were determined to get to where they wanted to go. But I think with Tech, there was that pain, again, the pain we had to go through to get there because we had fallen short. And we had a heartbreak for two years before that. And so we had one last opportunity to do it. And then you start to see the community come around. I mean, Waldron had the community, but Tech, you didn't have that. So now – and you have packed crowds in our place. Um, you have, you know, little kids looking up to these players. We're going out and doing community service uh, where people are coming up and telling you how, you know, the kids are inspiring them. You know, our, our varsity GPA that season was a 3.2. Mikey Jones scores a 29 on the ACT. So now it's cool to be good students along with good basketball players. And so it was just uh, between the two you know, Waldron uh, was a competitive group that was able to come together and get it done. Tech was more, you had to go through the, the pain. And I'll tell you, the worst game with Tech, my least favorite game was the state championship game uh, because it was over. Uh, that group, you know, you, you grow together so much in the coaching staff and because you've been through so much together. And I can remember standing in, and Bankers Life Fieldhouse, and just being over. And I can remember that night, everyone else was having, you know, fun. And 
uh, we go to ha- to champs as a team and kind of have dinner together. I mean, it's 12 o'clock at night, but the thing that kept running through my mind is it's over. What, what now? And so that was the hardest part was when it was all over because you love those kids and you love everything that you put in together. Coach, one more thing I've got to bring up, and not to interject myself in the story, but if there is one game in the last 10 years in the state of Indiana that I am kicking myself in regret that I didn't go to, it was that Park Tudor game that season. Uh, I was all set to go. It was this marquee matchup, Trevon Blewett, Trey Lyles, going to be a big showdown. I don't, I, I, help me remember, was, was there snow, there was weather, there was something. At the last minute, I decided not to go. I mean, that was, you talk about instant classics, Jason. I mean, yeah. th- that game, those two guys, their performances, uh, I, I know you played a lot of great players from all over the country that season, but in Indiana yeah. high school basketball, that Park Tudor Tech game still stands out. Oh, yeah. I mean, Trevon, there was no stopping him. I mean, like, some of the shots that he hit, and Trevon is a great kid, but Mikey Jones was a really, really good defender, and I remember he hits his second one. He says, Coach, and Trevon's running by. He said, Coach, you better put someone else on me. And I, it was funny, but <laughs> we had that. I mean, that, that game, we couldn't get him stopped. And then Trey picked up four fouls, and so he's on the bench for most of the third quarter. And I can remember you know, late in the fourth quarter in overtime, like both of those guys have four fouls, and no referee's going to give them the fifth. Like they're not ending it that way. It was going to be on the court. But just like shot after shot, um, going back and forth with one another because, uh, you know, Trevon has, has 50-some, Trey has 46. And, I mean, just an amazing game. Trevon is still, I, I say it all the time, uh, probably the, the best player we played against that year and probably one of the best players I've ever coached against just because of all the things that he could do and how quick he can get that shot off. Coach Delaney, that takes us to where you're at now which is Indianapolis Cathedral. And as I mentioned, we're getting ready as we record this. This is the opening week of the season as far as games go, we hope, uh, in this crazy uh, pandemic time that we're playing basketball in. But after some great years, some state or a state championship at Tech, some great records uh, really in all of your seasons at Indianapolis Tech, uh, this Indianapolis Cathedral job opens and you go – uh, yeah, in the same city, but uh, from completely different situations as far as an IPS school to a private school to a Catholic school. Um, how hard was it to leave Tech after this success? And you had really built the foundation, it seemed, that that success could continue. How, how tough of a decision was this? And again, take us behind the scenes. How did the cathedral drop job all come about? And uh, take us through your interest in getting that cathedral job. Well, we, we stayed two more years at Tech. Um, the next year, only CJ returned, and we, we went 15-9 and nine and lost in the sectional championship game against Lawrence North. And then the next year, CJ's senior year, I had an opportunity to take another job um, going into CJ's senior year, another one here in Indianapolis, which, which turned out to, to be a really good job. Um, but there was no way I was going to leave CJ because he could have easily went to a prep school after Trey and all those guys graduated, coming back the only one. But there was no way I was going to miss his senior year. And so we went 19-5 and five and, and lost in the sectional cha- or section, sec- first round of sectional to Kyle Guy and LC. Um, but I knew that that night it was kind of over. The run, that era was over, and it was time to do something else. I coached Tech in the summer, but and I was the AD still there. Um, but I remember 
being up uh, coaching in an event in Michigan for Indy Heat, and I, I, the cathedral job opened up. And I, at the time, I was coaching Jerron Coleman. Uh, both of us kind of came into Indy Heat that, that, at that same time. Uh, he had been with another program, and I uh, had not been coaching AAU, so we came in together. And I remember building kind of a relationship with Jerron, uh, and I remember coaching against Jerron. But one of the draws, I knew Doug Seagrave, uh, the AD at the time at Cathedral, um, from me being an AD at Tech. And then Dave Worland was the principal. And, you know, I, I remembered what it was like with Eric Kleinfelter, one of four players, to, to win a state championship with him. And I wanted to win a state championship with, with my high school coach. And so um, went through the interview process and um, got the Cathedral job. Um, you know, and Andy Fagan had done a great job there. And one of the things I remember the night we, we were still hosting, we hosted the sectional uh, my last year at, at Tech. And so, again, we lose the very first game on Tuesday night, and you have to stick around. And, and then at the end, you have to present the championship trophy uh, to the winning team. Um, but um, I remember telling Andy, we were rivals. I mean, honestly, there wasn't a lot of love there. But I remember telling Andy, because they had lost to North Central that night, I wanted to thank him because, again, I, I knew my time at Tech as, a, as the coach was, was going to be – it was time to let someone else do it. And I remember telling Andy, you know, we didn't always get along, but how much I respected him because uh, I wanted to beat him so bad that it forces you to get better. And so we kind of had that rivalry with each other. And so when I took the Tech job – or the Cathedral job, the Tech guys didn't understand it. I remember Trey coming in saying, Coach, of all places, Cathedral, and C.J., Man, Coach Cathedral. I mean, it's just because we really didn't like each other. But when I got to Cathedral, the one thing I, I see is excellence—excellence excellence in the classroom, excellence in just the way things happen. And for me, again, I love being around people I can learn from. So now I'm the associate athletic director. Every day I get to learn from Rick Strife, who's our athletic director. I mean, he's won the most state titles in football here in Indiana, and, and just a humble, wonderful guy. I get to learn from him. Uh, right, I, I get to work with Linda Bamrick, who's an uh, Indiana Hall of Famer, won two state titles as a girls coach. I get to – my office is next to Sean McGinley. He's won three straight wrestling championships. Uh, Jean Kesterson, she won eight volleyballs. I mean, so the list goes on and on. You're surrounded by excellence where you can learn from. Um, but Cathedral, we had to kind of build it of our own. And so going into year five – uh, nowhere near. I mean, we've won a lot of games, but nowhere near where we want to be because the ultimate goal is to be the first ones to ever put a 4A state championship up there. There's been, when you look at the, the cathedral gym, I mean, there's banners wrapping around. Um, and hopefully football gets one here on Saturday night. Um, but there's been only one basketball state championship. That was 1998 and 3A. As I talked to our players, we want to be the first ones to ever put the 4A up there. I mean, you've got to go through sectional 10. And right there is a state championship in itself. Uh, but we haven't achieved what we want. We've won a lot of games, but we haven't achieved anywhere close to what we want to do. And, Coach, you've, you've uh, you know, at every stop you've mentioned some notable players you've had. And, and of course, the Cathedral, one that uh, th there's a couple worth noting, I would say. But, obviously, Armand Franklin is at Indiana University right now. And, uh, you know, a lot of success, some city championships uh, with the Irish so far in your tenure. And then... You got another kid right now, Tayshawn Comer. Again, I remember first game I see C.J. Walker. I think, oh my God, who is this kid? First game I saw Tayshawn Comer play, I said, oh my God, who is this kid? So, 
You've, uh, you've had a couple of guys here in your career that, that have stepped in right away and been big-time impact players. And I know he's a kid you've, you've already mentioned here early on in our podcast that, that this year and, and beyond is going to be really important for you. Yeah, Tayshawn is everything you want in your best player. I mean, from his work ethic to his attitude to his coachability, he's one of the most positive leaders I've been around. I mean, you talk about during the pandemic when, when you know, some people are kind of shutting it down. He's up at 5 in the morning. He's running on the track. Then he's lifting his weights. Then he's working out with Mr. Gordon. Then he's back in, you know, at night working again. I mean, the kid just put up, he bench-pressed 185 18 times a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's amazing as, as a junior. But the kid works at it. And we have a lot of other guys like that. You know, Tayshawn um, kind of reminds me in ways of C.J. Walker. Uh, which anytime you have a championship team or you have teams that are special to you, you kind of always look for that next one, you know, that next guy who kind of fit that mold. Uh, Tayshawn has been really good for us, and he's evolved even more from where he was last year, and he leads a good young core of guys. You know, we have we have two seniors, Vincent Brady, who set out um, most of the last year, or whole year, but who committed to Air Force, who I think is going to be really good, and I think he has an opportunity to be one of those guys who kind of sneaks into the Indiana All-Star talk um, late in the season because, you know, like a Jake LaRavia, and there's been other guys over the last couple of years who you didn't really know about them in their junior year, but their senior year they have a breakout, their teams do well, and they get on that team. And he's another great kid. Jalen Johnson's our other senior. But then we have Pete Moe, who's 6'8", junior, who was top 100 in the state of Indiana last year. Uh, we have Jackson Edwards uh, last year was a surprise, to be honest, because we graduated 95% of our stats from the year before, and losing Armand is a huge loss. Um, so we didn't know what we had last year. We had uh, Vincent had to sit out, and then we had Jackson Edwards, who got hurt, missed most of the year. We had another kid uh, who was starting for us all summer, tears ACL twice, so he was out. And so we were playing some freshmen last year, too, and one of those was Jake Davis, he ends up being fifth in the state in charges taken, and he shoots 53% from three. Jerron Tibbs shoots 59% from three as a freshman. And so uh, we go 18-6. and six. So last year was, it was a surprise. Um, now we've got uh, Xavier Booker, who's 6'10", uh, who Big Ten schools are starting to inquire about. Uh, Sincere Germany, who is a guy who is, is – uh, I mean, he is on-the-ball defense, and energy is amazing. Um, so we've got, and Jaden Malachi is another guy who just motor does not stop as a junior. So we feel like we're a pretty deep, deep team. Uh, we'll have to figure a way out these first couple games without Jake and Jerron because they'll be playing uh, for a state championship on Saturday night with football. But it gives some other guys a great opportunity to step in. Jason Delaney of Cathedral, our guest coach. Uh, I'm looking at your schedule right now, and, and this you talk about goals and winning a 4A state championship, bringing the first. 4A state to Cathedral, one of your goals. And you appear to have a team, from what I know, that could be in contention for that this season. But looking at your schedule, you're scheduled to open up again as we record this very soon against Bowman Academy. You have some games against out-of-state opponents coming up, Cincinnati Woodward and Bolingbrook from Illinois. Those are both games coming up as well. And then you just get into the grind of Marion County basketball, uh, dotted with some other teams from around the state. Uh, night in and night out. Uh, I, we've talked about this before with other coaches, but the challenge of Marion County basketball, the great coaches you go against, 
the great players, Division One talent that the city and that county produces that you've got to go against. Uh, talk about being a head coach in that type of environment, in that type of competitive uh, city where each opponent can, can bring something that can knock you out any given night. I mean, it just starts with our sectional. I mean, right there, sectional 10 is enough. I mean, a year ago, you know, we think, hey, maybe they'll move North Central out, but now they stay, and here comes Chris Zaddix. Uh, so now it's a seven-team sectional. I mean, you've got to prepare for that sectional. And you look at, you know, like the, the FAPET team that the Indy Star just did. Out of the not, top nine teams, five are sectional 10. And that tells you, you, I mean, everyone comes in with great records. When you think about, about the amount of wins that come into sectional 10, you think about the state championships by the coaches and wins by some of them. I mean, Jack Kiefer by himself, uh, now Gooden. I mean, uh, you think about those guys. And when I got to Cathedral, Doug Mitchell was in that sectional. Uh, it's just amazing the coaches that are in that sectional and the wins that come in, the rankings that come in, and only one will come out. And so you've got to prepare for that. And the best way we can do it is try to play the best competition that we can. And we want to put our kids on the biggest stage that they can as well. I mean, that's why we're going to play Woodward with Paul McMillan, who's a nationally ranked guard. Uh, Bolingbrook was a great team, but unfortunately, uh, they are they are not able to compete and with the, the times that we're in. That's right. And so yeah. our, our latest opponent in uh, the Brownsburg Showcase was, was Hamilton, Ohio who has a seven-footer who moved in, who's committed to Auburn. So now our big men get to be on the stage. Uh, Caleb first, we play against him. And so we try to build it as best as we can, one, to put our kids on the best stage possible so they're playing against great competition, which helps them with their exposure. But two, to get us ready as a team to understand that there are no nights off. You know, being on the other sideline of Cathedral at, at one point, like Cathedral has a huge target on their backs. You want to beat Cathedral, and that's something – Again, that, that's part of that excellence, but you've got to understand you've got to bring it every night. And same with sectional 10. Like, you can win on Tuesday night, and you could be on top of the world. Well, guess what? On Friday night, now you got to turn around and play number three in the state. Okay, great. You win that game. Saturday night, sectional championship. Now you got number one in the state. Like, where everybody else, no one has the road that sectional 10 has. And, and I, I would be hard-pressed to find a better – group of seven teams in a state tournament in the United States of America harder than what, what goes on here at sectional 10, especially with all the NBA guys that have come through it, the major college players. I, I think it's, it's the best in, in America. Coach Delaney, we've been through your high school coaching career thus far, and I'm sure lots to come, but I, I wanted to also bring up the time that you put in in the off season as well. We, we know that high school hoops – uh, now the month of June, there's lots of opportunities in the off season to be with your team, to work with your team, and again, specifically in June, to play some games and find out where you're at for the upcoming season. But you've taken it a step farther. The last number of summers, you've coached with the Indy Heat Gym Rats program, which is really one of the two big travel opportunities in the state for the best of the best. 
Uh, they have a bid each summer in the Nike EYBL, which has become a household name with basketball fans, especially those that follow recruiting. And you've been kind enough to join me from time to time on my daily show in southern Indiana to talk about some of these players in the offseason, players at Indiana and other in-state schools are recruiting, and some of these very unique and very competitive opportunities that players in the EYBL have the chance to showcase themselves, not just against each other, against other great competition, but the college coaches in the summer, the Peach Jam uh, down south in the summer as well. is just one of the notable events of the summer basketball circuit. So you really do this year-round. You mentioned you coach your son's team, obviously Cathedral, the, the Indy Heat team. Uh, this is a year-round deal for you, but I'm curious to talk a little bit about how that's maybe helped you and what opportunities that's open for you as a coach. You go from a really good high school program in the winter. You've got some off-season responsibility, obviously, with them as well. And then you go coach some of the best that are state together, even some players that you may try to play against and beat during the high school season in the summer months. You try to get them together and go represent the state on a big stage. Yeah, Well, it starts, you know, it, it's a year-round thing. It starts, it starts at home. I mean, it starts with my wife who's been with me since uh, Ball State. You know, we met there when, when she was uh, a gym supervisor. But, you know, she she's very supportive. And so it allows me to kind of chase my dream. Uh, I had this talk with a young coach the other day. He was asking me about the, the home work balance. And, you know, I, I think it goes with, with the support system. You know, it's, it's our families that sacrifice a lot of the times. You know, we're doing what we love. It's them sacrificing and taking on more responsibility, but with 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 the EYBL stuff, it's it's been a blessing to be able to do. And you know, I used to be one of those guys who wasn't real fond of AAU, but if if you want to help improve something or make it better, then get involved with it. You know, don't sit around complaining about it. Just get involved. And and so you know, with the EYBL, I sat back and I you know kind of followed Trey and I CJ because both of them play with the Indy Heat organization. And I realized what a great job that they did and how competitive that was. And so I wanted to get involved. And so I started off by coaching the 16s um, a few years ago. Andre and Wright, Andre Wright and I have been together since we started coaching EYBL. And, again, it, it was a way you kind of worked yourself up, um, 16s. Um, we had Isaiah Thompson, who's at Purdue, Brandon Newman, who's at Purdue, um, Ethan uh, Britton Watts, who's at Boston, John Michael Malloy, who's at Butler, um, and then Javen Etzler, who's in Miami, Ohio, and a few other guys. And the Indy Heat organization never had never made the Peach Jam in the 16 grade level. And again, we got to work, we got them to believe, and we go to the Final Four. We lose by three to Sharif Cooper and AOT because Isaiah Thompson was unable to play that game because he got hurt uh, the game before. He scored 43 points, which was an amazing performance. But that stage, like Roy Williams is sitting there watching you. Uh, Coach K, I mean, every coach imaginable is sitting on our courtside to watch you. And then we go up to the 17s the next year with Trace Jackson Davis and Keon Brooks and some of those guys. And the opportunity to build relationships with some of these guys, too, has been really cool over the years because now you still keep in contact with them. You wish them success. You coach against them in, in high school. Um, so that that's a pretty cool thing. But we don't do it like regular AAU, like 
the one thing I love about Nike is there's a dress code. You've got to wear dress pants and a polo. and You've got to do it a certain way and how you conduct yourself. And, and, you know, and they go to the NBA. So for me, I get to see a different side of it. There's the 24-second shot clock. There's uh, illegal defense. The international three-point line we started a year ago, and, and then college adopts that. Um, so to be able to do that stuff, you get to see a different game. You have to, uh, with the shot clock, you can't hold the ball. And so for me as a coach, I felt like you had to make more adjustments. It makes you a better coach. You grow because those timeouts become very valuable. You, your strategy becomes very valuable to win those games. And, and so, uh, a year ago, we got a chance to coach Dre Davis and Nigel Pack and Jaden Ivey and Caleb first and, you know, some other guys, um, and it was it was really cool because we were picked to finish. There were 40 teams. We were picked to finish in the bottom three, but those guys weren't satisfied. Like, they didn't want to finish in the bottom three. We wanted to get to the Peach Jam. They wanted to see what it was like. And so uh, they worked extremely hard. Every guy is there on every mini camp, and they're working as hard as they can. We go down to Atlanta, um, and uh, first game we're playing BABC, who had uh, Matt Cross, who was an IU recruit for a while, and we win that game by like 30 points. Then we had to play Boo Williams, which was a loaded team, kids at Duke and all stuff, and we win. We go 5-0 and down there, and it was really neat to see how these kids who were kind of underdogs all came together. And from there, Nigel Pack gets his Kansas State offer. Uh, Dre Davis gets Louisville. Jaden goes to Purdue. Caleb goes, you know, and it was Nellie Davis, uh, who, in my opinion, was, was should have been one of the top Mr. Basketball candidates last year because of he, he was fabulous for us because he did all the dirty work. But it was really neat to see those kids come together, and we finish, we lose in the Elite Eight to Houston Hoops. And some of the teams and talent that we beat are the kids that you're seeing going to the G League and you see them going, you know, different places. And Well, we beat them. You know, some of those teams, we set the, or the Peace Jam record by beating Mac Irvin by 50. And they have kids going to Illinois and all over the place. And it was really neat, again, to see this group from mostly Indiana come together and just play as hard as they could. Jason Delaney of Cathedral Coach. Great stuff going all the way back to your days as a youngster growing up in Lafayette uh, to your time now as a head coach at Cathedral. Lots of stops in between and lots of success in between as well. We wish you the very best this year with Indianapolis Cathedral, you've got a great team, and we all know it's going to be a wild season, things that probably we never expected to happen, uh, cancellations and changes and quarantine periods and uh, just a wild time, but again, playing hoops in the middle of a pandemic. Appreciate the chat, and again, we wish you the very best and appreciate you taking time out to uh, join us here today. Guys, thank you so much. It's been an honor, and it's been it's fun, fun to go down memory lane. And, you know, like Chris was a part of, you know, helping me achieve a, a childhood dream of being at the Hall of Fame Classic. And, Matt, it's always great to talk to you, you know, from the EYBL stuff. I remember standing outside the Peach Jam talking <laughs> on the phone to you about that run. And so I really appreciate everything you guys do for the kids and for high school basketball and, again, for having me on today. Thank you, Coach, very it's much. It's been a great time. Thank you, Jason. All right, Jason Delaney of Indianapolis Cathedral, our latest coach to join us on the Indiana High School Hoops podcast with Dennison and May. And again, as we record this, Chris, the season is set to begin. Girls games have been running for a few weeks. Boys games set to begin this week. And uh, I've touched on it with Coach Delaney, Chris, but I think that we all understand 
we are in for a very, very different season this year. Going to be real interesting to see how it goes. And I've got my fingers crossed for all the great coaches in our state, the great teams and players, that we can get this season in. Yeah, it's going to be odd to say the least. And, uh, you know, it feels like it's a kind of a day-to-day proposition. You know, uh, games, postponements, cancellations, quarantines. Uh, but, you know, when it all is said and done, uh, you know, this is this is about the kids and their opportunities. And I know there's so many of us who love going to games, and it's it's part of Indiana life. But uh, you know, I just I sure hope that everybody is safe and is smart, does the right thing, and that that enables these kids to have contests and games. And and again, put yourself in the shoes of being a high school senior right now. I mean, <laughs> it, it nothing would be more deflating than not getting a senior season for things that largely are out of your control. So I do hope for all the coaches and the players and everybody involved that we get to pull off some semblance of a season this year, although it will not be normal. No question about it. Again, best of luck to all the coaches and players and teams and uh, even fans as we begin this season. Let's see what we can get done in a uh, safest manner possible. That's going to wrap it up for today. Don't forget to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on SoundCloud. And really, most any place that you might listen to podcasts, all you got to do to search and find us is look for Indiana High School Hoops Podcast with Dennison and May. And please, if you enjoyed today's episode, if you listen to all of our programming, uh, leave us a rating and a review. That'll help us connect with other fans of basketball in our state that might want to hear from coaches and about high school hoops here in the Hoosier State. That wraps it up for today. Until next time, thanks so much for being with us.